0: Welcome to the Audio Agenda broadcast. I'm your host Lawrence Roberts. The other day, episode forty, we did with guest Richard Richard Ogulnik, who for the past twenty nine years has been an expert in ibogaine treatment. The recording didn't go well. Um, the audio was very poor. So tomorrow um, we're re-recording the episode for you guys. Um, he treats people with Ibogaine for spiritual purposes, addiction treatment, um, people with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, and several other things. So we're gonna re-interview him tomorrow and make sure the audio quality is good. I just wanted to go over some things about Ibogaine. He's going to discuss with us what he does with it, um, his website and everything. But iboga is a shrub. Um, it's used for ritual and ceremonial purposes in some African cultures. It is located in Central Africa as its natural uh, growing area. Um, the plant's root bark is dried and that's where the active ingredient ibogaine is extract, extracted from. It's legal in the United States. It's a Schedule One drug. Schedule One drugs are, med- are drugs that have no medical use, according to the government and the FDA. So, it is legal in Brazil, New Zealand, and there is one other country. It's, it's legal in. Let me see if I could find the other country. There's three of them. I know, I know, Brazil and New Orleans, uh, New Zealand. Let's see here, let me check my notes. South Africa. So it's legal for medical uh, purposes in Brazil, South Africa and New Zealand. Uh, the full name is Tabernanth Iboga, T-A-B-E-R, N-A-N-T-H-E, Iboga, Tibernanth, Iboga. Um, It's a perennial rainforest shrub indigenous to Gabon, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, um, and it's cultivated all throughout Central Africa. It's been for thousands of years, according to Richie Ogonek, a 29-year expert in using the shrubs' roots. For treating uh, multiple disorders, PTSD, addiction, um, spiritual breakthroughs. Um, ibogaine is especially, especially useful and of, of much concern right now because of its ability to reduce opioid and nicotine cravings. Um, it reduces the, the cravings and withdrawal symptoms with those drugs it is an atypical psych- psychedelic alkaloid and has been subject of much research lately due to its ability to attenuate drug-seeking behavior so people will take it once they'll have one experience with it and after not have that drug-seeking behavior uh, thoughts anymore it doesn't work 100 on everyone but It has a high success rate. There's Ibogaine uh, addiction treatment in Mexico. It's particularly uh, effective for opiates. Ibogaine may work in reversing the effects of opiates on gene expression with resulting impacts on neuroreceptors, returning them to a pre-addiction condition. Furthermore, addictive loops and pathways in the brain are reversed. So, um, and that was from a study from 2005 to 2010 by Bratt Bakkenridge, um, last name Backenridge. So it returns uh, the brain neuroreceptors back to their pre-addiction um, pre addiction conditions and the addictive loops and pathways and in, in, in the brain are reversed it's very very amazing um, it's not particularly particularly enjoyable it can be scary um, so I'm just going to read off of Wikipedia Richie uh, Richie will talk to us more about it tomorrow he has a website where you can go to and actually call him and he can treat people with post-traumatic stress people that want a spiritual breakthrough and people who are suffering from addiction of all kinds um, especially nicotine and opioid addiction but um, scientists are also finding out that it's good for a lot of other addictions as well so just reading from Wikipedia on Ibogaine. Ibogaine is a naturally occurring psychoactive substance found in plants in the family Apocynaceae, such as Tabernanth Iboga, Bocanga Africana, and Tabernamontana Adulanta. So it is found in a few different plants. It is a psychedelic with dissociative properties. So, disassociatives are uh, classes of hallucinogens with that distort perception of sight and sound and produce feelings of detachment, dissociation from the from the environment and or self. Uh, the legal status again: um, Australia, prescription only; New Zealand, prescription only. Um, United Kingdom, it's a Class A. It's prohibited. U.S. is a Schedule One. It's illegal. Uh, not uh, not recognized for any medical purposes. Um, United Nations has it unscheduled, which is interesting. And California, prescription only. So, California is the only state in the, in uh, America that. You can get a prescription for. Ibogaine is mainly um, found in the Tabernanth Iboga shrub. Going on, it says, preliminary research indicates that it may help counter drug addiction. Its use has been associated with serious side effects and death. That's why uh, when I was talking to Richie, uh, I don't know if the audio picked it up, but. You have to be supervised while you're on it okay um between the years of 1990 and 2008 a total of 19 fatalities temporarily te- yeah temporarily associated with the inde- ingestion of ibogaine were reported from which six subjects died of acute heart failure or cardiopulmonary arrest so there have been deaths the total total number of subjects who have used it without major side effects during this period remains unknown. It is used as an alternative medicine treatment for drug addiction in some countries. Its prohibition in other countries has slowed scientific research, um, such as in the US for example. Ibogaine is also used to facilitate psychological introspection and spiritual exploration. And that's what Richie Ugalnick was talking about: was the the, the psychological introspection and, and spiritual exploration, um, transpersonal psychology or spiritual psychology is a subfield, of or school of psychology that integrates the spiritual and transcendent aspects of the human experience with framework or modern psychology. Um, in the use of psychedelics so that's there Um, let's see Uh, various derivatives of ibogaine designed to lack psychedelic properties such as 18-mc are under clinical trials which have shown them to be neither psychedelic nor psychoactive and do have acceptable safety profiles in humans, so they, um, scientists have derived uh, der- derivatives from ibogaine designed to lack the psychedelic properties. The psychoactivity of the root bark of the iboga tree, type, which is Tabernanth iboga, from which ibogaine is extracted, was first discovered by the pygmy tribes of Central Africa. You pass the knowledge to the Buidi tribe of Gabon. French explorers in turn learned of it when the Buidi tribe brought Ibogaine back to Europe in 1899 or 1900, where it was subsequently marketed in France as a stimulant under the name Lamborine. Lamborine. So France, they brought it back to France in 1900, marketed as a stimulant um, under the trade name lamboreen ibogaine containing preparations are used for medicinal and ritual pur- purposes within african spiritual traditions of the Bwiti, who claim to have learned it from the pygmy peoples although ibogaine's anti-addictive properties were first widely promoted in 1962 by howard lotsoff that's the person that introduced it to Richie O'Golnick that um, he mentioned Howard Lotzoff, and he's a colleague of Richie O'Golnick that will be on the show tomorrow that we are re-recording okay so yeah. although Bogaine's anti-addictive properties were first widely promoted in 1962 by Howard Lotzoff, its western medical use predates that by at least a century so in the west they have. Western medical use predates that by at least okay. Additionally, the US Central Intelligence Agency studied the the effects of ibogaine in the 1950s. I expect or suspect that they did that for Project MK Ultra. They were studying psychedelics like LSD, PCP, uh, I guess ibogaine uh, for MK Ultra, trying to find a Manchurian candidate. I did an episode, uh, to, uh, maybe a hundred, hundred episodes ago uh, last year about MKUltra and their use of psychedelics to try to create a, uh, to try to control people, mind control. Uh, yeah, so the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA, studied the effects of ibogaine in the 1950s. Ibogaine is an indole alkaloid that is obtained either by extraction from the iboga plant or by semi-synthesis from the precursor compound boacangine, boacangine, actually another plant alkaloid. The total synthesis of ibogaine was described in 1956. Structural elucidation by X-ray crystallography, was completed in 1960. So a lot of the the testing was done by the CIA in the 1950s and also um, tested in the 1960s. Ibogaine's psychoactive effects. Now this is from Wikipedia here. Ibogaine is derived from the root of the Tabernantha iboga plant as we imagine, known to exhibit psychedelic effects in its users. The experience of our ibogaine occurs in two phases, termed the visionary phase and the introspection phase. The visionary phase has been described as an oineric o referring to dreamlike n- n- referring to a dreamlike nature of its psychedelic effect. That lasts for four to six hours. So, the first experience once you consume Ibogaine is a dreamlike sh- state of um, its psychedelic effect that lasts for four to six hours. The second phase, the introspection phase, is responsible for the psychotherapeutic effects. It can allow people to conquer their fears and negative emotions. I, Ibogaine catalyzes an altered state of consciousness, reminiscent of dreaming, while fully conscious and aware, so that memories, life experience, and issues of trauma can be processed. That's why it's good for people with post-traumatic stress that um, have come back from war, from Afghanistan, Iraq, you know, and, and Iraq. Um, of course, rape victims, any 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 traumatic experience someone that someone's been through that that they can't get through it can't get it can't get past it ibogaine is able to do this by inducing altered states of consciousness um, reminiscent of dreaming but you're fully conscious and aware um, quote so that memories life experiences and issues of trauma can be uh, processed Uses. there's a picture of Ibogaine containing shredded bark of Tabernanth Iboga for consumption. Ibogaine is not currently approved for any medical uses. There are legal Ibogaine rehabilitation facilities in Mexico and Brazil. Clinical studies of Ibogaine to treat drug addiction began in the early, began in the early 1990s. But concerns about cardiotoxicity led to termination of those studies. There's insufficient data to determine whether it is useful in treating addiction. So that's why you have to be monitored. There is there was actually clinical studies of ibogaine in the early 1990s, but they were concerned about cardiotoxicity and terminated the clinical trials. So there's insufficient data to determine whether it is useful in treating addiction. But um, Richie has been doing it for 29 years, so we will interview him. He will know more. A lot of the audio of that episode was ruined. Um, I unpublished it. We are going to re-record it again tomorrow at 11, 11 a.m., so you should be able to, it'll be published probably around 1 or 2 o'clock after the editing's done go to the adverse effects. Immediate adverse effects. Who, uh, one of the first noticeable effects of large-dose ibogaine ingestion is ataxia, a difficulty in coordinating muscle motion, which makes standing and walking difficult without assistance. Uh, that's another reason why you need a, a handler. Serostomia, dry mouth, nausea, and vomiting may follow. These symptoms may be long in duration, ranging from 4 to 24 hours in some cases. Ibogaine is sometimes administered per rectum to avoid nausea and vomiting. Ibogaine decreases body temperature. Cardiovascular, um, ibogaine causes long QT syndrome at higher doses, apparently by blocking HERG potassium channels in the heart long qt syndrome is a condition in which repolarization of the heart after a heart after heartbeat is affected it results in an increased risk of an irregular heartbeat which can result in fainting drowning seizures or sudden death so also causing periods of muscle weakness so that's that's all reasons when an addict or someone with PTSD is administered ibogaine, like from an expert like Richie, that that, that they be closely watched uh, because of the there there is some concerns of cardiotoxicity. Uh, besides that, nausea, vomiting, uh, dry mouth. There's some neurotoxicity. Um, Work in the laboratory of Mark Mulliver at John Hopkins indicated degeneration of cerebral perkinje cells observed in rats giving, given substantially larger dosages of ibogaine, ibogaine than those used to study drug self-administration and withdrawal. So uh, they gave the rats basically a larger dose than they, they would they would give someone who was they were treating for addiction i want to know if you give a, them a proper dose how it if it's neurotoxic or not however subsequent subsequent research found no evidence of neurotoxicity in a primate or mouse at dosages that produce cerebral degeneration in the rat and it has been suggested that the cerebellar generation might be a phenomenon limited to a single species. The FDA, FDA was aware of Molliver's work at the time. It approved a phase one study in which humans received Ibogaine in 1993. Neuropathological examination revealed no evidence of G generated degenerative changes in a woman who had received four separate doses of Ibogaine ranging between 10 and 30 milligrams over a 15 month interval. So, a published series of fatalities temporarily associated with the ingestion of Ibogaine found no evidence suggesting a characteristic syndrome of neurotoxicity. But there was a series of fatalities um, from the ingestion of ibogaine but again neuropathological examination revealed no evidence of degenerative changes in a woman who had received four separate doses of ibogaine ranging between 10 and 30 milligrams over a 15-month interval there are adverse interactions with ibogaine and psychiatric, psychiatric medications. Some studies also suggest the possibility of adverse interaction with heart conditions. Because ibogaine is one of the many drugs that are partly metabolized by the cytochrome P450 complex, caution must be exercised to avoid foods or drugs that interfere with these CYP450 enzymes in particular foods containing bercamotin or bergamot oil, such as grapefruit grapefruit juice. Ibogaine is an antagonist to reserpine. Reserpine. Well, reserpine is a drug that is used for the treatment of high blood pressure. Okay, So yeah, reserpine, you do not want to use ibogaine if if you're on the blood pressure medication. I just mentioned Reserpine. So, again to legal status, the Global Ibogaine Therapy Alliance has published as a map of Ibogaine legal status in various countries around the world. <clears throat> treatment clinics. Ibogaine treatment clinics have emerged in Mexico, Canada, the Netherlands, South Africa, and New Zealand, all operating in what has been described as a legal gray area. Costa Rica has also uh, installed treatment centers. Covert illegal neighborhood clinics are known to exist in the United States despite active DEA surveillance. While clinical guidelines for ibogaine-assisted detoxification were released by the Global Ibogaine Therapy Alliance in 2015, addiction specialists warn that the treatment of drug dependency with ibogaine in non-medical settings without expert supervision and unaccompanied by appropriate psychosocial care can be dangerous and an approximately one case in every 300 um, could be potentially fatal, so you must. If, if you're if you're taking this, you have to have someone that knows what they're doing, and treating people with drug dependency with ibogaine. Um and you must make sure that they're, you're they're, you're being supervised, you're you're accompanied by someone, and they have to be um, an appropriate expert of psychosocial care with knowledge of ibogaine treatment for addiction because one in every 300 people that take ibogaine have a potentially fatal reaction. Here is some good um, documentary films about ibogaine. Detox or Die from 2004, directed by David Graham Scott. David Graham Scott begins videotaping his heroin-addicted friends. Before long, he himself is addicted to the drug. He eventually turns the camera on himself and his family. After 12 years of debilitating, painful dependency on methadone, Scott turns to Ibogaine. Filmed in Scotland and England and broadcast on BBC One as the third installment in the documentary series One Life. So, that's Detox or Die, 2004, that is a documentary film. Also in 2004, Ibogaine Rite of Passage, directed by Ben Deleuanen. Cy, a 34-year-old heroin addict, undergoes Ibogaine treatment with Dr. Martin Polanco at the Ibogaine Association, a clinic in Rosarito, Mexico. Diolonen interviews people formerly addicted to heroin, cocaine, and methamphetamine who share their perspectives about ibogaine treatment. In Gabon, a babongo woman receives iboga root for her depressive malaise. Diolonen visually contrasts this Western clinical use of ibogaine with the buidi use of iboga root but emphasizes the Western context. So that is Ibogaine, Rite of Passage, 2004, another documentary directed by Ben D'Alonen. 2007, Facing the Habit, directed by Magnolia Martin. Martin's subject is a former millionaire and stockbroker who travels to Mexico for Ibogaine treatment for heroin addiction. 2007, Facing the Habit. 2008, Tripping in Amsterdam, and this short film directed by Jans Ben-Nars, Simon sweeney visited visits Sarah Glatz Iboga Iboga Treatment Center in Amsterdam. Current TV broadcasts the documentary in 2008 as part of their, quote, quarter-life crisis, unquote, programming roster. I'm Dangerous with Love, 2009, directed by Michael Negroponte. Negroponte examines Dimitri Mugiani's long clandestine career of treating heroin addicts with ibogaine. So that's just some of the documentaries. There's several. There's Hallucinogens from 2012. Um, In one of the five segments from the episodes of Drugs, Inc. on National Geographic channel, a former heroin user treats addicts with Ibogaine in Canada. He himself used Ibogaine to stop using his abuse of narcotics. That is the one I saw. It's called Hallucinogens from 2012. The man was addicted to heroin, uh, found out about Ibogaine, used it uh, uh, one time in uh, The Desire and the, the, the compelling, that, that, that desire to use left him, and he, he got clean and started using ibogaine to go help people, um, other heroin addicts, get clean. In the episode, he treats uh, um, someone, and while monitoring him, the, the, the person has a reaction, but ends up being okay. And it's um, Hallucinogens 2012, so you could find it, yeah. Hallucinogens 2012, um, Drugs, Inc. on National Geographic Channel. It's also it's not just for opiates. Uh, Richie was saying uh, nicotine addiction can also be um, helped with the use of ibogaine, as well as other drugs, too. They're, they're, they're studying it now um, for use in me- uh, methamphetamine addicts. So we're going to talk to him a lot more tomorrow about this. We'll make sure the recording is good and there's everything sounds right. Um, he has been using ibogaine to treat people for 29 years, uh, Richie O'Gallick. So we will interview him tomorrow, and the episode will be published and on Spotify. Google Podcasts, Radio Public, or Pocket Casts for your listening pleasure and um, it's very informative. So for the, the Audio Agenda Broadcast, I'm Lawrence Roberts, signing out.